Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This week, Kevin's on vacation, but we have some of the best moments from Comedy Goldmines. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the legend himself, Mr. Eddie Murphy, and also Arsenio Hall on Comedy Gold Mines today. And what amazing minds these are. So let's dive right into it. I'm very fucking excited about this one. Not only are you guys two friends, but two mentors, you know, two goddamn uh, trendsetters. Have you seen Have you seen the movie? Yes, I've seen the movie. Okay, I just want, yeah. What, yeah, what did you think? What did you think? I like the movie. I like the fact you that know, you guys... Keep, you keep putting people on the spot. We be doing the, uh, the press and we be like... Telling, asking the person, so what do you think? And of course, we're gonna say, "Oh yeah, it was great." You know, you eventually somebody's gonna say, "Ah." (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the movie that Arsenio is talking about, he's talking about coming to America too. Coming to America too, available on Amazon. Um, guys, first of all, before I get into my feelings of the film, what sparked the part two? You know, you're talking about a movie that's, you know, I mean, it was done years ago. What's what's the what's the number? of years in between part one and part two. Is it 31, Eddie? Yeah, something like that. 31, 32, 33. Hey, Kevin, I'll let him tell you this story because I don't think there was supposed to be a coming to America too. We had always agreed to leave it where it was. When you say we, is that a mutual agreement or is that people people around Eddie and you? Did Eddie verbally say that he wasn't going to do a part two? No one ever said that. No one ever said it. No, I just assumed it wasn't going to happen because the movie ended, you know, the story ended like they kind of went off and they they lived happily ever after. And we Mm -hmm. we forgot about it. So how the fuck did you come up in in part two just all of a sudden rears his head? How does it happen? It wasn't all of a sudden. What happened was the movie took on this cult thing where like uh, they start showing it on the holidays, on Christmas, they show it on VH, VH1, like 24 hours straight, they showed it last year. And on on uh, Halloween, people start dressing up as characters from the movie and shit. Mm. So it was yeah, like- I, w- I walked in Eddie's house once and I had on Coming to America shoes. And he was like, they got shoes? Yeah, and who's that basketball player they call oh, him? Uh, Greek Freak got a one and a two, a Coming to America one and two. Yeah, so the movie stayed around like, like I said, like a cult movie. So that's when I start thinking, hey, you know, if you could figure out a way to connect those dots. What I love the most about it is that you're you're dealing with a you're dealing with a cult classic, right? You used the word cult. And there's a there's an amazing following that follows this particular movie. And not only just the movie, but the characters attached to it. You know, you're you're you, of course, Eddie, you're known for fucking amazing characters. You're known for great character work from your years on SNL, from portrayal of different characters throughout movies. We can go Nutty Professor. We can go down the line. But what you've done and coming to America and Arsenio, you as well, you guys kind of put stamps on these fucking people that were a discovery later on. It, it took some years 
for a large part of that coming to America audience to realize that you guys were the people that you were in that film. I texted to Arsenio last week. I was like, hey, you know, I, I don't know if everybody knows that we're those, all of those characters. I did an interview with Oprah last week and uh, she's, I was talking about the movie and I was like, uh, yeah, and then I'm the old Jewish man. She was like, what do you mean the old Jewish man? I said, that's me in the barber. She said, you're the old Jewish man? She, and she's seen the original Coming to America. She's seen this. She just realized that, you know, I was those, that character. I promise you, it was a discovery for most, if not all, that you guys were the characters in the barbershop. And then that's fly. That's fly. It's, it's dope as hell. Now you're talking about even uh, even my guy, sexual chocolate. You're talking about the pastor. Like there's so many things that you guys took and, and made your own, but that carried the movie. And, and when we go into part two, not to be a spoiler for the audience, because I want you guys to support the film. Once again, it's available on Amazon. Guys, I want you to fucking realize that they went and bought them back. <laughs> you guys didn't leave those guys uh, where they were. You did You did something I think that was amazing for the fan base at hand, which was revive those characters and bring them back. Was that a priority for you guys? Oh, we had to bring them back, I think. Yeah, all those characters are the, you know, the glue for the movie, for the comedy in the movie for me. Because the character Akeem is kind of more like a, almost like a straight man. You know, his mm -hmm. characters, other characters uh, get to be balls out funny. Favorite one that you guys did? I, I, I love the barbershop scene, but I did a new one, a witch doctor or shaman named Baba, which Eddie was supposed to do. And I'll let him tell you that story, how that unfolded. But I, I Nasty woman, by the way. Very nasty woman that you portrayed. Now, she wasn't a woman. That's a man. Is, is it really? Yeah, the old, the old witch doctor, that's a man. Are you sure? <laughs> I see you know, it's, funny. it's funny. We had one of the one of the things that didn't make it into the movie where uh where the old Jewish guys is at the party at the after party and he's talking to her like that's a lovely dress you have on. <laughs> never made it into the movie, but yeah, it's a man. I yeah. didn't know. Okay, all and right. By the way, Kevin, there's a there's a joke that Wesley, your your new co-star for the future. Um, he say, he looks at him and says, whose auntie is this? Yeah, that's why that's why I thought it was a, a woman because Wesley referred to her as an aunt. I didn't know. And I thought, you know, when when the scene was there with James Earl Jones, I won't say what's going on because we'll leave for audience. I thought that it was like a family member, a close relative. And then it seemed like you was very spelly, you know, like I, I ain't never seen a man do the spells like that. So I said, it's got to be. I, I just went with the assumption. It's got to be a woman, which I didn't know. Okay. I right. thought it was it was Miss Rudolph. Yeah, I stand, I stand corrected. I'm sorry for assuming. I apologize. Um, talking about the movie is one thing, man. I got to talk about the friendship, man. You guys are you guys are friends. You guys have been friends for quite some time, man. And you know, in this business, these relationships uh, come very far, few, and in between. How have you guys maintained this level of friendship throughout these years? How are you guys still fucking close? Please give me the recipe because I got niggas falling off like flies. Hey, yo, yo, I have a lot of niggas that fell off like flies over here. Jesus. Years. Just and oh, you, you will have, you, as you go along, you'll have less and less and less and less friends. Yeah. He's one yeah. of the, he's one of the few that's been around for, you know, 30, 40 years. But uh, trust me, bro, you, your, your circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller as you go along. 
It absolutely does, man, which is why I'm envious of what you guys have, what you guys have built. Um, and, you know, those friends progress as you do more things together. Uh, Arsenio, I've, I've talked to this man several times. I've been to his house. Uh, we've had deep discussions, man. And I kind of always fall flat on one. And, and talking to you, I feel like I'm not going to fall flat because you've maintained not only a love for stand-up, but an energy and effort towards it. Sir, through this break that we've been on during this pandemic, are you are you stand up crazed right now? How do you feel about that stage, Arsenio? Are you getting back to it? I saw your last special that you dropped. Give me the future of you and stand up comedy. Oh gosh, I can't wait to get back to it. Not to mention when we live through things, there are jokes constantly. Mm -hmm. And we had planned to be out on the road. Like in normal circumstances, there are like 10 or 15 funny people, stand up comics and coming to America. I was pushing for all of us to go out and use our stand-up as a way to promote this movie. Huge. Shouts out to, to Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Jermaine Fowler. Um, Rodney Perry. Oh, my God, Rodney Perry. Trevor Noah. Yes, Trevor Noah. Lunell. Uh, Lunell's in there as well. Hell yeah. Michael Blackson. Michael Blackson. Very funny cameo by Michael Blackson. Had a comics in this movie. A lot of them. Uh, I wish that would have happened. Eddie, I don't like talking to you about stand-up no more. I don't, I don't do it no more. I'm not falling for the fucking trap. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of your shit. I'm not doing it no more. I'm not doing it. Every time, every time we talk, he leaves me with a piece of information. And I feel like I got gold. I feel like I'm the one that's got the gold. Eddie, what you doing? He he never answered, but he talks around. Hey, well, you know, I'm thinking you look shit. It, you already know. No, what, wait, what you say? You already. <laughs> <laughs> My plan was to do the uh, Dolomite Saturday Night Live coming to America and then do stand up and mm -hmm. then the pandemic hit selfish ass pandemic, pandemic <laughs> to shut the whole shit down and I was going I would the, the whole time last year I would have been out working on my act trying to get my shit right then the whole shit shut down god damn hey pandemic. when the pandemic is over and it's safe for everybody to go out and do it then the plan is to to do it hey I, I got a question I just read last night they have a drive-in theater here in LA and uh, one of the girls from the comedy store is working it this weekend. Eddie, would you do something like that? Fuck no, he ain't going. Don't even ask him that. Don't Ooh, do that. Drive in theater and do what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> go to a drive in theater and do what? Do stand up? Yeah, yeah you stand in you, front you, of the. You screen. tell me, you tell me, nigga, will I go do uh, stand up? I ain't did it in 36 years. Uh, would I go to the drive in theater and do it in the park? You, you tell me, nigga, would I do it? <laughs> Um, it was your first gig to be in front of cars. Yeah, it's it's your first, it was your first gig to be in front of cars so they could honk ain't at no you. Rush, ain't no rush to get out there. You know, oh, I get out there. Ain't no rush. And uh, I think I think that uh, the comics that be out there doing it all the time, they feel like I gotta get up here and do it. Gotta get back out there. But I ain't done it in so long. I'm like, hey, when this, I'm cool. When this shit is over, pandemic is over, then like. You know, I'll jump, go get get back out there, but I ain't in no rush to get back out the there. The best, the best thing that you told me, we were talking, we were having a conversation, and you compared it to getting in cold water. You said when you get in the water, you fine. Oh, yeah, it's like jumping back in the pool. Yeah, <laughs> he said dipping that toe in and realizing that water is cold, it makes it that much harder to get in a cold pool. And when he gave me this this breakdown, it made sense. He said, yeah, once I get in there, I will be fine. He said, but getting in there, 
He said, I got to get comfortable with getting back in there. That shit is cold. Yeah, and, and, and here's what you get. also remember that the, the, the cold pool, the perception of the cold pool, that's not that's not external. That's not like, a, oh, the water's cold. That's some mm. internal shit. That's for, in my head, mm. the mm. of the water. Now, now, being around all these comedians, I mean, like you said, you guys just were on the set that was filled with nothing but funny. I'm talking about the set of Coming to America too. I can't mention it enough. Uh, Eddie, being around those comedians, Arsenio being around those comedians, was it one of those things where people were trying to one-up funny each other all day? Oh, Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan is funny before he wakes up. He's he's funny and he's always, he, he's amazing to be around. As a matter of fact, Tracy Morgan was the first person cast in this movie. Eddie was like, I'm doing this movie and I'm putting Tracy Morgan in it. Everything else will come after that. But yeah, I don't know if one up and nobody wasn't, I don't know if it's one up and Tracy just always, always being funny. I don't he's know on. One up and. He's always on. Yeah, I never, I'm, I'm not a one up and kind of nigga. If I'm around other comics, I don't be trying to see who's the funniest one and none of that kind of shit. <laughs> but you do understand that being in your presence, a lot of comedians feel like they need they need to put on a certain display of funny to get <laughs> approval of of a you. It's it's whether you realize that or not, there's a, there's I, don't a have, one in the I don't feel like the comedians be trying to go out of their way to be funny when I be talking. Oh no, wait a minute, Eddie. Stop it. Come on, Eddie. You've seen it. people do the Stop worm it. on your kitchen floor to Stop make it. you laugh. Stop it. Come on, Eddie. You talking about isolated? You talking about an isolated incident? It ain't like you know. Every time I'm around comics, they be putting on <laughs> doing their shtick. You say <laughs> we? I can say that. I can say that for the younger generation of comics, they mostly shut down when I'm around the young comics. They shut down. Then, then when they go do their set, they be like, "I was at Eddie Murphy house, and yeah. I, he had he had a toilet this way, and I said, Ooh, I'm Eddie.' Be turning to a bit of some shit. They don't be, they don't be trying to be funny to me. Not to you. I can say I can say I've never I've never fallen for the uh, the over, you know, the over funny attempt around around Eddie. I kind of I kind of went the other route uh, in my in my younger time when, you know, I had the opportunity to be around him and, and then it before you was middle, before you was middle age. Yeah, before, you can't you can't say. I'm 41 is not middle age. Like, I don't know why you were in your younger time. I said 41 is not middle age. I'm still considered, I'm still considered a young man. 41. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely still considered a young man, but 40 is the beginning of middle age. No, no, man. it's not. Yes. 45, 45 is when you're. 45 is the beginning of middle age? Yeah, 45, because you're closer to 50, which is actual middle. That's when you're in the middle. Everybody treats 50 like you're in the middle. 50 is the middle of 100. Yes, but you're once one you're one in ten thousand make it to be a hundred years old. One okay, one in so ten thousand. Fifty is not the middle. Especially that's how middle. I know. This is how I know you're getting old. Hey, hey Kevin, Kevin, I'm telling you, Kevin, you're going to be middle aged before this Zoom is over. You're going to be middle aged before the Zoom is over. Let it go. You want to know why? How I know he's getting fucking old? He just shot out a percentage of people that make it to a certain age, which means he's researching. He's researching right now to see where he's at. Research, I'm learned. I'm, I'm an intellect, nigga. Yeah, well, you become that once you realize. That, I didn't old. research that. You're 60 now. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel 60? I feel like Eddie. Well, what, what does that mean? What, what is, I don't it understand. It means I feel like I could beat you in a street fight, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I feel like. That's what I feel like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
What's the last? What's the last street? Wait, wait, I, wait, Kevin. I've I've seen you box. I've seen videos of you. I boxing. whoop Eddie ass, nigga. We have two different weight classes. I whoop Eddie ass. You know he in the boxing heavy. So two different weight classes. How much you weigh, Kevin? How much you weigh? I'm one fifty. I'm about one fifty. One fifty, one fifty four. Solid though. Yeah. Solid. What you fighting at right now, Eddie? What what's, what's your weight? Hundred ninety pounds. All right, I'm not fighting Eddie. <laughs> he's gonna fuck you up on the rope. Yeah, no, I'm not. No, he gonna he gonna he gonna fucking he got gonna bulldog with that old man strength. They got that old man strength too. <laughs> <laughs> got that old man strength. People don't know how much of a boxing fan Eddie is. Eddie Murphy is a huge, huge boxing fan, man. Uh, like it's 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 odd that I've seen you show up in places. Uh, you know, supporting just the, the world of boxing that I wouldn't expect to see you at. I remember you was at Floyd Mayweather's gym one time, just watching him train. I forgot what fight it was. What fight was it when you showed up to his gym? I don't know. I was in Vegas, and uh, I just wanted to go see him train. Cause I'd never... Pacquiao? No, nah, it wasn't No, nah, it wasn't Pacquiao. Way before then. It wasn't Pacquiao. But Huge. getting to see him train, that's like, you know, going to see Jordan or seeing Ali. It's like, you know, that's one of the all-time greats. So. Just literally went and watched. I got a question for y'all, man. You know, when when you guys now have jumped back into the arena of movies and you've done it together, right? Does this open up Pandora's box now for more comedies for you guys, for more for more things to come? Or or is this like, yo, we just wanted to have a little fun. We did this. We'll put it on the shelf for a little bit. Wait, if something perfect happens, then maybe we go about it. Or right now, is it a priority to kind of do more? Provide this younger generation with some of you. I, I think this is going to provide those things for Eddie. I, I got a feeling I'm going to be at a dinner theater in Jupiter, Florida next month. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's going to do the same thing for me that it's going to do for him. But I'll let him take this question. Provide stuff for the younger people. What did you say now? Again? This younger generation, Eddie. The younger generation. You know, this, 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 the millennials that are out here now, right? You know, like right now, given them coming to America too, there's a lot of people that are going to go, oh, fuck. You know, some of those people may not even know what coming to America one were, and they're going to go watch it. Yeah, but those people that, that, that put, let's, 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 let's keep it real, nigga. Uh, uh, I've made movies for 40 years. Mm -hmm. If you've been watching movies, the younger generation know who Eddie Murphy is. And they, they have to. Watching my movies and my shit is on the cable channels and the satellite. You're all over. You're all playing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So do you feel like you don't want to do more or does this make you want to do more? That's my question. But doing more isn't doing more. So the new generation can that the new generation. If you've been on the planet, you know, you know. So I'm going to ask it again, Eddie. Are you going to fucking do more comedies is what I'm asking. Does this make you want to do more shit after doing this one here? I'm going to continue to be Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Hardest interview ever. I love you, man. I love him to death. I swear to God I do. Nobody better. Nobody fucking better. Nobody funnier. And he's funnier, he's funnier in regular conversation than you've ever seen him anywhere else. And in regular conversation is where you get the best of Eddie. Simple bits without being bits where you get the best of fucking Eddie. You know, Kevin, don't you have a machine by which you could give Eddie a podcast? You didn't give me a podcast. Um, Eddie, listen, that, I'm not even setting myself up for that. What, what, what are you talking about? I'm not. Podcast. Wouldn't you, you know, love to just hear Eddie talk? 
Hold up now. You keep suggesting shit that you should be doing, nigga. You should get Arsenio a podcast. And Arsenio, you should go do stand up in that parking lot or wherever you said it was. You keep saying shit that I should be doing. That's your <laughs> You keep being a forgive. Arsenio should have a podcast. <laughs> Funniest thing in this goddamn interview was, yeah, Eddie, like there's a there's a theater and you know, we should go out there. It's like a movie theater, you know, a drive-through. He, he said, Eddie, would you do it? You said, nigga, ask yourself, would I do it? <laughs> what you know the answer. Ain't no way in fucking hell I'm going to a parking lot to goddamn perform so cars can beep at me. <laughs> yeah, when you instead of laughing, you blow. Hey, yeah. Kevin, you have a club in your home. I, I I set it up to have one. I mean, I don't have a regular. You know what's funny about that? This thing <laughs> came by my house and we was playing. I had an arcade, the arcade. We was playing basketball in the arcade. Mm-hmm. And this nigga looked at me and said, this is stupid. And then you cut to a year later, he got a comedy club in his house. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was pissed off. And he had the, the arcade, the, the bowling alley. Now, I don't know. This shit is a lot, man. This, stupid. this is some stupid shit. <laughs> All in the house. You cut to a year later, this nigga got waitresses in his living room and shit. <laughs> you still bowling? You still bowling, Eddie? I ain't bowling months, man. It's in your house, though. Yeah, I was, but, but I don't have no no nobody to bowl against. I don't want to just be out here bowling by myself. Yes. Yeah, you know he 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 wanted to bowl. Right, and I go bowling. First of all, any, anybody with a bowling alley in their house, you already know it's some shit with the lanes. It's not going to be what it's supposed to be, right? Wait, wait, you, wait, you wait, 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 what, what, what's the insinuation here? I'm saying some shit well, with the if, lanes. If you, if you have a bowling alley, period, uh, somebody has to go and reset shit and every now, but you know. If you're in a house, you got to go do this shit. If it's in a house, I mean, I would assume that if somebody wants to bowl, they would take care of the lanes. And I'm not saying that. No, 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 no. The bowling alleys go out at the bowling alley, too, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the bowling alley. If somebody's <laughs> throwing a heavy ball down there, yeah, so every yeah. now and then the shit, somebody got to go and they say, I'll seven, somebody yeah. go down to fix it at the bowling alley. Yeah, man, look, I hear you. I'm just saying that <laughs> I would think that going to Eddie's house, it would be set up differently. I'm not saying that the lanes were dry. They definitely didn't have oil on them, how I'm used to, right? So, you know, the ball wasn't coming back. My ball couldn't hook. It was a lot of shit. A lot of, lot of shit. Wait, that what do you mean you used to? Where are you used to bowling at, nigga? I'm used to bowling at fucking places that take care of their lanes. How about that? How about my that, shit, Mr. My Murphy? Shit, my shit is way flyer than the regular <laughs> local bowling alley that you be going to, nigga, <laughs> on Ventura Boulevard. My shit is fly shit, nigga. The only thing, you know what pissed me off about that day? The one thing that, like, stayed with me? And you know how we talk about, like, anger, how I was just talking about for the boxing, how they need something that acts as motivation? When I left Eddie's house, it wasn't the big house. It wasn't the, the, the massive fucking view or any of that. No, what pissed me off is we went to bowl and i said hey man i don't have no shoes you know i don't have no bowling shoes he said we got shoes and he had the fucking bowling shoes and the motherfucker gave me a pair of sweat socks with the shoes until this day that's what pissed me off the most i said how successful do you have to be to have any fucking size shoes and socks for whoever comes over i said i gotta get that i gotta get that 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a Slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. For our listeners, if you just now tuning in, this is Inside Jokes. We're talking to Jerry Seinfeld. What an amazing mind this is. What an amazing person he is. The conversation is flowing. Mount Rushmore, you said. Who who does Jerry Seinfeld love when it comes to comedy? Who who are your favorites? If you can give me, if you can give me your your Mount Rushmore of comedy. If you can give me your what what I that started looks like this Mount Rushmore thing. I may it may not be. I could be wrong, but I, I I'm just gonna tell you. I, I think I started it when I did a show with Don Rick. When I did a comedian's cars with Don Rickles. God damn. And and I. I started this Mount Rushmore, and then I seem to be everywhere. I'll tell you, there are comedians that I will study. I I, I, I study and I laugh uh, at them They're, because the details of what they do are so intricately beautiful and perfect, mm-hmm. I can never get over it. And one of those is Bernie Mac. I, I will watch Bernie Mac. I have seen every clip that exists of Bernie Mac on YouTube 50 times each. I watch them and, uh, you know, he's one of these guys that nobody talks about Bernie Mac's writing, but when I watch a comic, when I watch anything, I see the script next to the guy and I look at the words and the, mm-hmm. the economy, the structure, the, 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 what he's going for, how he expresses it. Um, he, he, he I, I find him to be a miraculous comedian and he's so funny the material so funny the the performance is so funny um and i don't think he was one of these he's not he wasn't one of these lockdown guys right he just kind of went out there mm-hmm. i met him once in a stairwell at dreamworks in a parking garage and we stopped and we just talked for a couple minutes and this was but way before i i, I actually got into him after he passed wow and um but that's one of the guys that I really, really love. But uh, I watch a lot of Rickles just to laugh. 
And also, he, he's interesting because he, he's got nothing. He goes out there, he's got nothing. <laughs> he just goes. He just, <laughs> goes. just goes. He just fucking goes. Yeah, but the energy and is fascinating. Um, I got a crazy Rickle story for you. A cra- This is a, it's an insane Rickle story. Um, I go to this, I go to this Vanity Fair party, right? This is, shit is starting to happen. Uh, my first and my last name now matter. That's Kevin Hart, right? Um, Don Rickles is at the party. And somebody tells me Don Rickles is at the party. And I say, I got to fucking meet Don Rickles. I got to, I got to meet him. Right. I got a meeting. Okay, I, I, I have to meet him. Right. I got to, I got to fucking if meet him. If you're a comic and he's in the Don room, you Rickles have to. sees me. Yeah. I don't even know how Don Rickles knows who I am. You know, it's just a big moment. Hey, it's just energy, right? Crazy energy. Swear to God. Not right. my kids. I'm not right. when I say this. Don sees me. He goes, he goes, God, look at him. He takes his hand. He smacks my face twice. Pat, pat. Right? He smacks my face twice. He goes, he goes, pat, pat. And he says, this looks like a little, like a, there's no bullshit. All right? Don't, this is not, and this was not, this was not malicious. This is the era that Don came up in in comedy to my listener. He goes, he goes, he looks like a little, like a little monkey. <laughs> right? Right, right. Pat, pat on my face. And I, I said, oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, okay. Well, what? <laughs> what the, <laughs> that definitely wasn't cool. But what do I say to Don Rickles? What, how do I correct? I don't do What do I have to do? There's nothing I can do. After I did it, he then pinches my cheek like, like a fucking kid. He pinches it. It's like I love you, kid, and and that was it. And he just fucking like sat back down, and it was like this weird silence. Like, and and I just turned around in my suit, and I was like, "Well, I guess that was it." (laughs) Jerry, I guess that was it. Yeah, I guess that was it. Do you think? Did he know you? He, I can tell. Either, either somebody warned him right of, right of who of who I was like before before I got to him and and like he like went with just energy like you know you don't know who a person is but you just give them energy yeah right you know I mean? hey hey that that thing what's up man like it's, it was it was like that it was I could tell it was like that he didn't he didn't know but somebody else knew but it wasn't it wasn't malicious it's like you know he this this was his era that was his era of comedy so so he was just being he was being personable in the yeah. moment but it was like there, there's a thoughtlessness in, exactly in, exactly it wasn't it wasn't i mean a, but it's thoughtless. no no it was it wasn't and i know you know our listeners they would go what 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 but no i'm i'm telling you as a person that was there it, it wasn't and that's why i was just it was for me the funny part about it was the exit because he was at a table. Right. So I, I I just approached the table and then he just sat back down and like just went back into a conversation with whoever he knew. And I was just standing there for a second. And I was like, all right, well, yeah. I guess that's it. And I was like, okay. 
Bye. You, you know, I'm a very anti-PC guy in comedy. Mm -hmm. But when I do watch some of his old stuff, when his black stuff, it does, I do I feel <laughs> uncomfortable. I don't feel good. No, he has some shit. If you, yeah. if you go look at it, it's woof. Yeah, yeah. You look and you go, even in the, even in that moment, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just got, I just got lightheaded. You know, I don't know. I've been working. I've been going into marriage, Kevin. That's my, my. I've been writing a lot about marriage. I wanted to do this thing about your spouse is a rescue pet. Look, you look in your spouse's eyes and you know that they think they could survive on their own, but you know that they can't. They cannot make it without you. Each spouse thinks that of the other spouse. You know, you know, had a real good one of my one of my favorite marriage bits. D.L. Hewley, Hewley had a joke. He had a joke about, you know, him. And his wife, how they, you know, how they going at it. And he was like, you know, I just know that if I were to die, things would change drastically. And I know that my kids, my kids were haters. <laughs> he said they would go. <laughs> it should have been you. <laughs> because, because, because our life has changed <laughs> since dad. <laughs> It's the, it's the stupid shit. It's the stupid small shit that makes me laugh. You'll never, you'll never run out of material with marriage. How long have you been married, Jerry? Twenty-one years. God damn. Yeah. Twenty-one I got, years. I got married in ninety-nine. Twenty-one years. Congrats, yeah. man. What did you do you. for your twentieth? Anything big for the twentieth? Your twentieth anniversary? You didn't do anything crazy? No. I also have a new bit about all marriage numbers get applause. There is no. <laughs> no matter what. Whatever number you say that you've been married, the audience will applaud because they are grateful that they were not involved <laughs> in making this. <laughs> Thank you yeah, that's good. for doing that. We're, we're appreciative of it, but we don't uh, want it. We don't want that shit. Yeah, we don't. We don't know what you went through. We just <laughs> we can imagine there were some things. We don't know what they were. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Today we got a brilliant mind. We got a mind that I'm extremely close to. We got Tiffany Haddish on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Tiffany, how is you? Hey, Kevin. How you doing? I'm good. I'm successful. I'm, you know, I'm a little sleepy, but that's normal. You a little sleepy? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm over here on a body transformation tip. Well, wake your ass up. We about to have a good time. By the way, you look great. Thank you. Before we even get into the show, let me give you your flowers and say, I want to acknowledge the hard work and energy and effort that you've been putting into your body through your fitness journey. You look good. How long you been going now? Um, it's been over a year since my uh, 40th birthday when I realized 
That's when my knees and my toes told me that, uh, oh, you're not going to be able to live this life no more. Uh, we going to quit on you. <laughs> your knees and your toes called you a hoe? My knees and my toes called me a hoe. They called me a hoe. And they said, <laughs> we about to quit if you don't get it together. Why your toes call you a hoe? I can understand your knees. Because my toes have to, because when I'm wearing high heels, my toes have to hold up all this body. Okay. Okay. You made it make sense. Yeah. So they was mad. So they was mad. Tiff, I'm excited to talk to you because I know when I talk to you, I get nothing but honesty. I get nothing but real. I get nothing but transparency, man. I think today we got an opportunity to shed light on a different version of you that the world may know or may not know. We don't have to go into the stories that we've told several times. We can talk. And that's the beauty of this fucking podcast. This podcast is about good dialogue, real dialogue. I'll tell you what, what was recently there. That, that honestly, it almost got me a little emotional. I held on. I'm not going to lie to you and told you I broke down if I didn't. But it, it really did. It really did get me to a point of like, God damn, man. I'm, I'm so happy for this fucking woman. And I love that. I love that you're so honest with your emotions. And when you're on a set of kids say the, the, the darnest things. And your producers decide to give you a piece of information. They decided to tell you that you won a Emmy. A Grammy. A Grammy, a Grammy. I'm sorry. A Grammy. a Grammy. Fuck off. The Tiffany. Emmy, I did that a few years back. Fuck off. I knew I knew you won that, but just fuck off. Don't correct me. Let me correct myself. <laughs> fuck off. All right? I know that you got an Emmy as well. You don't have to fucking correct me like that, okay? It's my, <laughs> okay. It's my podcast. You let me sound fucking intelligent. Just let me sound like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but you won a Grammy. And when they told you, you know, they told you in your earwig, and your response, your response to it in an immediate breakdown. To me, that's a sign of a person that really gives their all and their heart is, is truly involved in what they do. And when you get recognized, it's a moment of like, it's a moment of raw emotion and you gave that. And that shit almost, it almost broke me up a little bit because I knew you meant it. I knew you meant what you were saying. And I knew like your speech to the little kids right after was a heartfelt. Tell me about the moment. Tell me about what it means and, and where that stands in your life as of right now. I mean, it's huge. You know, Kevin, I don't, I don't do what I do for trophies. I do what I do to bring joy, right? And you, I'm always like hoping, am I bringing the joy? Am I delivering? Am I giving the best that I got? And, and you know the journey I've been on. It's been a really bumpy road where most people would have quit and given up and been like, I'm good. I'm going to just go back to this customer service job. Keep it simple. I have not done that. I've thought about it from time to time, but I have not done that. And I won't do that. Um, I'm going to continue to succeed. And, and, and when my peers, that's, it's, that's the part that like, Whoa, because it's your peers that vote for that, right? Mm -hmm. It's other people that create. And mm -hmm. when they voted and said, yes, Tiffany deserves this. Well, that to me, like, because sometimes you work so hard and you want to say, do, do you see me? Did you see what I did? Can, you know, you know, I feel like I feel like a kid, like, mama, look, mama, look what mommy look like. But my mama ain't looking. My, my mama dealing with her own mental issues, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, then I look to my colleagues and people around me and they're like, girl, good job keep going keep going good job right and it's like okay I've, uh, they said it's good i'm just gonna keep pushing and i'm enjoying myself and when all those colleagues and then i'm up against all these white men 
So I'm just honored to be in a, in a group, mm -hmm. right? I don't think, oh, I'm going to win a trophy. I'm not focusing on that. I'm just super grateful and happy to be in the group, in the nominees, right? And then when they say, you won, wait, I, I, I beat these guys? <laughs> like, I, I, I won the contest? Mm -hmm. Like, to me, that was like, wow, there's so many... Uh, I feel like, oh, wow, how many people did I make laugh? How many people did I heal? Because mm -hmm. I didn't really think of comedy as, as, as a healing mechanism. And so, like, how many, that's all I call myself Dr. Haddish sometimes. When I'm writing my jokes, I'm like, I put on a little coat, and I'm like, Dr. Haddish is here. Let me write these jokes. Like, so, I'm going to administer this medicine, right? So, when, when that happened, it was just like, whoa, I'm appreciating people appreciate what I did and I worked really hard. Now I tore my meniscus shooting that special. I'm thinking all the pain that I've been through over the last year and a half since I did it. Well, you, you tore your meniscus because you got bad knees. That didn't, no, I tore my that, meniscus because I was, I was doing a joke about a big man in, in very high heels and skipping across the stage. And I was quite happy. Okay. I get that, but you also have bad knees. And my knees are good, okay? Before I tore my meniscus, I had the knees of Meg Thee Stallion. Let's, well, but let's get okay, together. we don't have to okay. go off topic. Got the knees of a kangaroo. We don't have to go off topic. Yes, I can. Okay. <laughs> kangaroos kangaroos okay. have oh. knees. They got back okay. knees. Well, that, they that, got backward knees. You can't have the knees of a kangaroo, Tiff. I don't even think a kangaroo got knees. Kangaroos are all calves. Fact check it. They the got calves. backward knees. And you have to have good knees in order to jump high. I, in high school, jumped six feet in high jump, okay? I'm five, six. I got good knees. Tiffany, first of all, I don't believe that you jumped six feet in high school. I'm not going to let you just... I did. Okay, well, listen. El Camino Real High School, they got the records up there checking. Okay, okay. You know what? You done got yourself three fact checks. You got three. I'm checking if a kangaroo has fucking knees or not, which I think is false. I think a kangaroo is all calves and shins, and I think they lean on their tail. So I'll let you know about that when I find out. They got back knees, bro. Okay. I don't know if they have back knees, so stop telling me that. Let me fucking figure it out. Your producers just said they have knees. God damn it, my producers just... <laughs> They, just they also they got, got biceps. All right, all right, all right. You know what, Tiffany? Forget it. Okay, just forget it. I just told you this is my podcast. <laughs> and on this podcast, it's my job to sound as intelligent as possible. Will you just back the fuck off? Back off. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. 
Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.